Well, good morning to those in the room, those down in the venue, those at home. Good to be together this morning. Um, in the video, Chris mentioned uh, in the Church Life video that groups start this week. I just wanted to, to highlight that. Rooted started last week, but all of our other groups primarily start this week. And so if you haven't signed up yet and want to, you can do that and would encourage you to do that today. I did want to highlight um, that one of the groups we're doing is Financial Peace University. Uh, for Cindy and me, in our married life, uh, money has been one of our major sources of uh, conflict, how we treat money and deal with money. And uh, really, the Material Financial Peace University was the first thing that really got us on the same page and with a plan that really worked for us. So I would just commend that to you um, as one of the options. Well, would you join with me in prayer? Father, we are so grateful to gather here in this place and be reminded that you are working in our lives, that, that your plans are good, that you're shaping us and, and fashioning us to glorify you, and we're grateful for that. Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we do remember those who have given their lives in the service of this country. We're thankful for the ultimate sacrifice that they have made, that we might enjoy the freedoms that we have, the freedoms to gather like we do this morning in this place that we can worship you here freely. Father, we thank you for those who have served. We thank you for those who now serve. And we pray for those who are currently serving in the military. God, there are, there are stresses, there are pressures on individuals and families that most of us will never understand, but you do. And so we pray, God, that you would give each individual, each family, all the grace that they need to thrive in every way. God, we pray for those from faith who are now deployed or soon to be deployed. God, we ask that you would guard and protect them, bring them home safely to loved ones. And God, we ask that you would strengthen them spiritually and physically in every way. We ask that you would uh, keep marriages and connections to children strong, pour out your love into their hearts. Father, we thank you now for our time in the word. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Well, if you're able, would you stand with me as I read today's passage? Today we're looking at 1 John 3, 11 to 18. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with words let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is God's word. Please be seated. Jerome, a 4th century theologian, writes in his commentary on Galatians a story about, the, about John, the author of our letter, 1 John. He writes that when John was extremely old, he would have his disciples carry him into the 
congregation, and uh, he was unable to say anything except little children love one another. And eventually, one of the people there, wearied that he always spoke the same words, asked him, Master, why do you always say the same thing? And John replied, because it's the Lord's command. And if this, if this only is done, it is enough. If only this is done, it is enough. So we'll see in our passage today, we are called to love one another. And if we will actually become disciples of Jesus who love one another in the way that John talks about here in so many ways, it will be enough. So much of what God calls us to as a family of God will be lived out. It will be expressed if we will love one another in the way that he talks about here today. In the verse right before our passage, a verse that Sam preached on last week, John made the point that it's evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. And uh, John had said in verse 10 that the one who is not of God, God does not practice righteousness, nor love his brother or sister in Christ. And so in the letter, he spent a fair bit of time already talking about righteousness, walking in the light and those kind of things. Today, he's going to talk about love. And so much of what he's going to talk about in the rest of the letter is love. It's one of the major topics in this letter. So the, the central point that he teaches in our passage today, it's really simple. We should love one another. We should love one another. In verse 11, again, for, he says, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. So he's talking about the message that they've heard from the beginning. He's talking about when they first heard the gospel, when they first believed. That message, which is what John still preaches, is that believers should love one another. And this is the first of five times in this letter that John uses this expression, love one another. He's talked about loving our brothers and sisters, but here he uses this kind of this reciprocal responsibility, this mutual responsibility that we have, each of us, to love one another. Obviously, Scripture has a lot to say about loving our neighbor. It has a lot to say about loving those who do not yet know God, but his focus here is on our, our mutual love for one another, love in the family of faith, okay? And so that's what he's going to focus on. John had sat in the upper room the night when Jesus was arrested and gave this teaching in John 15 where, where Jesus said, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than, than that he laid down his life for his friends. And so this was Jesus' teaching, right? Love one another as he had loved. And the way he loved as we know, he went to the cross. It was self-giving love. It was sacrificial love. This is what Jesus called his disciples to, and this is what John is reminding his readers of. And so that's the main principle he's going to teach. He goes on then, and he gives a negative example of not loving as well as an example of loving. And so he, he writes first about Cain as an example not to follow. Cain is an example of not loving. It says in verse 12, Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one, and he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. You probably know the, the story of Cain is found in Genesis chapter 4. And in the passage there, both Cain and his brother Abel, they, they come and they offer sacrifices to God. And we're told that Abel's was acceptable to God because his deeds were righteous. Cain's, on the other hand, was unacceptable to God because his deeds were evil. And so because of this, because Cain's 
sacrifice was not acceptable. I mean, he, he hated his brother. He hated Abel, Abel, and he ultimately murders him. And John tells us that because of that, we, we know that he demonstrated that he belonged to the evil one. And so, of course, we should not be like Cain. Cain did not love. He hated. He murdered. Verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. And by world, he's referring to the, the unbelieving world. He's talking about people who are opposed to God and his children. And so just like Cain hated Abel because his deeds are right, were righteous, we should not be surprised if the world hates us. And I think he, he mentions this in this passage, this verse, just to emphasize how important it is that we love one another. We, we live in a world that sometimes is hostile to us, and so it, it only elevates how important it is that we walk in love with one another, that we love each other. Verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So death is what entered the world when Adam sinned, right? Death is what we've all experienced because each of us has sinned. And John says, for those who do not love, they are demonstrating that they are still in the realm of death. They are not part of God's family. Those who are part of God's family, however, they no longer remain in death. Rather, they have passed from death to life. And so he's talking about this amazing transformation that happens the moment someone comes to faith in Jesus. We move from the realm of death to the realm of life. We move from eternal death to eternal life. And John says the confirming proof that change in status is we love. We love one another. Love proves that we have life. Verse 15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So John circles back to the idea of, of Cain's hatred and, and murder and he uses the, the, the present tense for hates here. So he's talking about ongoing failure to love. He's talking about ongoing desire for, for another person's harm. And he's saying, if that is what's in your heart, if that's what's in your heart, that one is a murderer. And no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Such person is not passed from death to life. Now, John's not saying the one who hates or who has even literally murdered, could never be forgiven. Of, of course they can. Jesus, hanging on the cross, asked that God would forgive those who are murdering him, right? John is simply teaching that one who hates does not have eternal life residing in him. For John, there's no middle ground. Either we love or we hate. We love and we, are, we know God. We hate and we don't know God. That's the point that, that John is making here. Now, obviously, we all get mad at other people sometimes. We get irritated. We certainly don't like certain people in the family of God. None of us loves perfectly. That doesn't mean that we don't know God. There's a process of growth, right? We are growing into expressing love. But having said that, I think it's important to, to kind of pay attention to what is actually in your heart. If hate is what you find there, if hate is sort of, sort of the predominant expression of your heart, John is diagnosing your situation. John is diagnosing where you stand, and he's making the diagnosis that you abide in death. You don't have eternal life. 
Even if week after week after week you show up and you sit in these seats, if hate is what is in your heart, he's saying you don't have eternal life. And the way out of that situation isn't to work really hard to not hate. The way out of that situation is to come to Jesus, to come to faith in Jesus. Because the moment we trust him, we move from the realm of death into the realm of life. Jesus takes up residence in our heart, and he replaces hatred with love, and it becomes the thing that he grows within us. And so Cain, he's an example of not loving. John moves on then to, to give the positive example, which of course is Christ. He's the ultimate example of loving. Verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so we're called to love. And the model of what that love looks like is Jesus Christ himself. He loved sacrificially. He laid down his life for us. And so John says, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The reality is, for most of us, we will never be in a situation where we literally are asked to lay down our lives for a brother or sister in the faith. It does happen. It can happen as you think about God's family around the world. John goes on in the next couple of verses to apply this principle of loving with a sacrificial love in a way that, that applies to every one of us, every one of us. And so he goes on and he says in verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? When John talks about seeing a brother or sister in need, he, he's not talking about just sort of like barely noticing, kind of noticing at a glance. He's talking about really seeing. He's talking about perceiving. He's talking about understanding a real need that someone has. And so he says, if you see a need in that way, and if you have material resources that are necessary for life, food and clothing and shelter and our world transportation, and if you have these kinds of things, he says, and yet you don't respond. His question is, how can the love of God reside in that person? When you have resources and you see needs and yet you don't respond, how can the love of God reside in that person? A person who has a love of God abiding in his heart will respond very differently, will have an inclination to respond very differently when you see need and you have resources. They will not close their heart to the need. They'll be inclined to use whatever resources they have to help meet the need, even if it involves sacrifice. Now, things that require sacrifice are not always easy, right? There's a choice to be made. There's a decision to be made. And so that's why I believe John gives us final admonition in verse 18. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. To love in truth means to, to, to love truly. And so John started our passage today stating the, the principle, we have a mutual responsibility to love one another. The ultimate example of that is Jesus Christ himself who gave at great personal cost. And so if love is our responsibility and Jesus is the model, then don't just talk about love, actually love. Do it. When you see need and you have resources, respond, even if it requires sacrifice. Love in practical and tangible ways. 
You know, one of the, the, the great things about being a pastor is the vantage point that it gives you sometimes to see what's going on in the body of Christ. And so, uh, from my vantage point, I have had opportunity to see and to hear ways that, that you all have loved each other in, in, in some really amazing ways. And so, uh, I'm aware of so many times when meals have been made, when someone's had a baby or there's been a death in the family or, or someone's had surgery. Or I'm aware of ways that, that people have helped others with transportation. I know situations where someone has, you know, taken a Saturday to fix someone's car who, who needs that car and can't afford to have it uh, repaired any other way. I know people that, who have loaned cars for uh, chunks of time to someone that needs transportation. I know people that have given rides to people to, to medical appointments who, who can no longer drive. I know people that have rallied some people to give that a car could be purchased for a single mom who, who needs transportation. You've loved in these ways. I've seen people who have opened up their homes and offered hospitality to someone in crisis and who needs a place to land for a while. I've seen people who have bought groceries for families who, who couldn't buy groceries at that time. I've seen people who have spent time with someone who's lonely and, and shut in. Uh, I'm aware that, that so many give to, their, to our compassion fund so that those things can be given to those in need. And this, this is a, a, just a, a smattering of the ways that you all have loved one another, that you have had resources, you've seen needs, and you have responded. And it's really a beautiful thing to see. Having said this, though, I know some would probably say, I haven't experienced this. I've had needs, and, and I haven't had this re response for me, and, and there could be a lot of reasons why that is so, but it certainly points to the reality that we have room for growth. Of course we do. We have room for growth in loving in this way and loving sacrificially. And so in, in, the, in the final moments, I want to share a few thoughts about how we can pursue growth in loving each other, loving in a sacrificial way. I think a place to start is really to, to meditate on the example of Christ. I mean, that's the model. That's the example. He loved sacrificially. Reflect on how he loved you, what he gave to you. As we reflect on his example, it can help us in our efforts to love sacrificially. So maybe you're in a situation where you're a family that, that you have two cars and you really need two cars. I mean, it's sort of important for you to get to jobs and take care of responsibilities and yet you're aware of someone who lost transportation and they need a car. And, and you reflect on the, the model of Christ. You reflect on how he sacrificed for you. And, and you and your spouse, you figure out a way that you can kind of navigate the difficulty of it. And you loan your car at sacrifice. And it's the model of Christ that, that can spur you on to do that. Or maybe you have been saving for something. You've been saving for something that really is a real need. It's something that you actually really need. And yet you become aware of a need in the family of, of God. And as you consider the example of Christ, you're moved to uh, put off meeting your need for a time so that you can give some of your resources for someone else and their needs. I think just meditating on the example of Christ is what can move us from thinking about ourselves first to how we can meet someone else's need. So meditate on the example of Christ. These, these kind of choices are hard. You know, kind of the, the natural worldly response when we're confronted by these things is like, no, I, I, I can't do that. I need that. I mean, that's my natural response first. But as we meditate on the example of Christ, it can move us to love in a selfless way. And so meditate on Christ's example.
Secondly, I'd encourage you to begin with just small steps. Begin with small steps. To love sacrificially, it really is an act of faith. It's a step of faith. And so it's something that, that if, if it has not been how you have loved, it's, there's, there's a need to grow. And so start with small steps. So maybe you never have used your money to help meet other people's needs. It might be hard from the, from the start to, to give large sums of money away. Start small. Start determining that you will take some of your resources and meet someone's needs. Take a small step. Or maybe you've never really uh, offered your own time to enter in to, to serve and to meet someone's need. It might be hard to say, hey, I'm going to take two weeks to go on this mission trip to meet needs or whatever. Uh, maybe what you need to do is take a, an hour on a Saturday morning to help someone. Begin. Take small steps. Take steps of things that you can do. And I think as you, as you begin to engage acts of service and, and loving in this way, you, you begin to realize that, that maybe there's a real sacrifice. There's joy in the sacrifice. There's joy in loving like Jesus loved. And that will grow your capacity to love in more and more sacrificial ways. So begin with small steps. Finally, uh, let me encourage you to learn to truly see. Learn to truly see the needs around you. I think part of our problem is we don't see needs. Uh, we, we move through life pretty fast. We're busy. And, and, and we fail to see the needs around us. I think one of the best ways to see needs is to make sure you are living in close enough community with at least some that you can see their needs. I mean, that's where it starts, right? If your only experience of, of church and other believers is gathering on Sunday morning, it's pretty hard to, to see needs. I know there's needs in this room, but I don't know many of them because I, I'm not close enough to most of you to know. But as we move into biblical community, then you have time to know and to see what the needs are. I mean, this is why we do Rooted. This is one of the reasons we have life groups is to help us be close to some, to, to develop biblical community where we can express needs and we can see needs and we can step into meeting those needs. When I think about the way Cindy and I over the years have helped meet needs, so much of it has been out of the context of our group, the, the groups of people that we've been in life groups with because you're close enough to know what the need is and you know how to step in and how to serve. And so I just think, move in, make sure you're moving towards community. And I know, you know, one of the things that, that COVID has been really difficult on, it's been disruptive to so much of our group life together, these smaller communities. Uh, we're seeing some of that this summer come back. I'm really hopeful for this fall to have really a, a vast opportunity for, for so many ways for us to connect because it's so important. It's one of the ways we truly see needs. So love one another. Love one another. Meditate on the example of Christ. Begin by taking small steps. Learn to truly see. And as we do these things, it will help us follow the example of Christ to offer sacrificial love to each other, to love in practical and tangible ways. In a few moments, we're, we're going to say a giving liturgy that, that we um, use uh, often. And in this giving liturgy, there's a line that says this. It says, I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there's no needy person among us. And that's really an expression, not about our whole community out here in Manhattan. That's an expression about us. 
I'm determined to increase in generosity. They can be said, there's no needy person among us. And, and it's really an expression of what we've talked about today. May we be that kind of church. May we be a church that is growing in our ability to, to love one another, to care for one another in sacrificial ways, that there would not be any needy person among us. What a beautiful picture that would be. What a beautiful expression of Christ's love to the world around us if we would love each other in that way. Little children, let us love one another. you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for this reminder from your word. It's, it's simple, it's straightforward. God, it's true. these are truths that we know, we've heard. But would you help us grow in this? Would you help us learn to, to, to follow the way of Christ, to follow his example, really love sacrificially? Father, for each of us, grow our capacity, grow our capacity to love in this way. We thank you that because Jesus lives in our hearts, that love is there. Thank you that you are working to transform us. You are shaping us into people that would love like this. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.